Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero, JP Ong, our finance presenter, with me. He is, uh, you know, on a roll, apparently. <laughs> the, I'm rolling the, in sand, apparently. The, oh, good grief. The weekend uh, on Bali, certainly, um, you got a little fried, I think. Not as bad as last, as the May excursion. I was definitely. talking about the brain. Yeah, well, that too. I mean, my, my brain's always fried. What are you talking about? When you deal with all of these numbers, it tends to put a bit of a tax on your cerebrum. So, yeah. Um, let's, the numbers are not looking that bad. They're not looking that bad, but there's really nothing to write home about again. And it seems that the come down mm-hmm. from Monday's rally continues also. And we're seeing that the Straits Times Index, at least, is down by about 13.7 points. Again, mm-hmm. it's not collapse by any measure, but it is a steady come down from those highs we saw on Monday. And it is uh, in lockstep with the rest of Asia also just losing steam today. Um, the only notable market, big market in uh, Asia that's up so far is Australia. The ASX 200 is up by about 0.6%. Uh, and this also because of the RBA's decision recently to cut rates. Mm-hmm. So what's really happened there is that when you when you cut uh, b- lending rates in an, in an economy such as Australia's, you tend to see uh, borrowing costs come down eventually and it does also favor consumer stocks and commodity stocks in that particular area. And those are the two um, sectors that are gaining right now in Australia. Banks, though, in Australia not doing too well because of news that the Reserve Bank of Australia and monetary authorities there, banking authorities, might start to propose stricter lending rules and stricter regulation on some of the lenders in Australia because of some of the scandals and some of these, mm-hmm. uh, the bad news that's really hit some of the big lenders down there. But Australia is the only bright spot at the moment alongside New Zealand, but everyone else Else is losing ground. The Nikkei 225 is down by about three quarters of a percent. Shanghai, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, all trading in the red at the moment. The Korean KOSPI down by about 1.2 percent. I think right now what's what's really coloring sentiment across many markets, including here, is the fact that people are dealing with these lower manufacturing figures that are showing that the big industrial economies in the world continue to see manufacturing uh, contract. You've got China, Japan, South Korea, Germany. I mean, they don't get any bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And when they all show signs of contraction, it does also call into question, well, is growth uh, really going to slow down? Could we see a recession in any of these big countries? Mm -hmm. Germany and South Korea, for one, have raised recession fears. Japan, if they do raise their sales tax later on in the year, it also could bring about some recession fears in the land of the rising sun. And, of course, this all feeds back into Singapore because, mind you, at 9 o'clock tonight, we will be releasing our PMI figures. And the last figures were actually not too hot for the month of May. Mm. And and they'll also be releasing the electronics uh, exports or the electronics sector PMI as well, which could also point at more contraction for this country if it does go in lockstep with what's happened in China, Japan, Korea also. When you look at what's going on on Straits Times Index, there's not a lot of people gaining ground today. DBS is down um, by about 1.4%. Singtel also back in the red by about 0.3%. There's only a handful of gainers at the moment. SGX, for one, is uh, starting to rebound after days of losses. The local bourse's own stock is up by about $0.06 cents to $7.91. And one notable gainer here is Capital Land, which is up by about 1.1% as well. Okay, yeah, well, Capital Land makes sense now. 
you know, how are the other REITs doing? The REITs are actually doing rather healthy so far today. SunTech REIT, CapitalCom REIT all up. CapitalCom uh, Trust actually, take a look at that. Their securities are up by about 3.2%. There was an interesting article I saw in Reuters actually that said that the Tokyo Stock Exchange's REIT index hit a three-year high. Mm-hmm. So it's not just REITs in Singapore that have been benefiting over the last couple of uh, uh, months. It's also REIT in the indices and REITs listed in across some of the other major markets. And again, it also shows that there might be this uh, this this hedging or or continued uh, defensive hedging that we're seeing among markets. It's not entirely. May, you might liken it to a flight to safety of some sorts, but people are definitely favoring some of these defensive hedges, sure. such as the REITs and the yields that they continue to generate and how secure they are. And it, it manifesting itself also in how markets are trading so far today. A lot of activity among the REITs, even SunTech REITs up by one percent. You're seeing Capital Mall Trust up by one and a half percent. Maple Tree NAC Trust, though, is down by about 1.4%. They're probably the only notable loser on the entire REIT board so far today. Ascot REIT down by about 0.75% so far. But otherwise, most REITs are doing rather well. You have uh, the likes of Keppel DC REIT, for instance, up by 1.2%. And uh, as we mentioned, Capital Mall Trust up by about 1.5%. So it's been a good uh, – it's, it's a lot safer and it's a lot healthier looking this hump day mm-hmm. in the REIT space so far. It could be because of this this defensive hedging we're seeing from investors, not just here, but across the region. And also because there's a lot of news actually coming out from the REIT space as well. Well, okay, I'm just curious. Our next-door neighbor is SBH REIT. How are they doing Okay, today? so let's uh, brace yourselves because when I did say only a handful of them are actually losing right now, SBH REIT, well, was in the red, but what a difference. 10 seconds makes. Mm-hmm. It's now f- trading flat at about $1.08 per staple security, but they are sort of just trying to stay afloat so far in the REIT space, trying to get a uh, trying to at least get, hitch its, hitch its wagon. That wave. Yeah, trying to catch that wave. Uh, yes, de- definitely. They're trying to catch it at the moment. They're trying to hitch their wagons on this particular rally. SPH though is uh, looking just a little bit stalled at the moment, but again, we've got the afternoon session to try to make up for that. It seems that they've steadied themselves, but again, they have uh, wiped out those intraday losses just in the last 10 seconds. So okay, well, we'll Capital if- Lands, uh, Ascender Singbridge, actually big enough news that I was reading about it from regional newspapers, etc. And analysts find it very interesting that now MAS is seeking, you know, opinions on whether they should raise from that 45% to maybe 50 Okay, so let's uh, break down what's happened with Capital Land. Remember when we talked about Capital Land and the Senda Singbridge merging, there, wa- there will be a need for restructuring because mm-hmm. you've got a lot of these overlapping um, roles in leadership. You've also got a lot of these overlapping assets that could probably benefit from either merging or being uh, divested of. And just makes sense. I mean, if you have uh, two hospitality trust, for instance, might be better to actually merge the two hospitality right. trusts so you're more efficient to operate them. And it seems that Capital Land has gone ahead and done that. As Ascot REIT and Ascendus Hospitality Trust are going to be combined to make it the largest hospitality trust in Asia Pacific and the eighth biggest globally. It mm-hmm. seems that Capital Land's looking really to go after some of these big, big titles and try to try to either be the biggest in Asia Pacific in certain areas. And it seems that they're going to do that at least for the hospitality trust. This is how big it's going to be. Once both of them merge, you're going to see a total asset value of about 7.6 billion Singapore dollars. It'll be the seventh largest largest trust listed on the SGX in terms of asset value and creates an enlarged portfolio of about 88 properties across 39 cities, 15 countries, Asia Pacific, Europe, US. So they're they're pretty much spanning the globe with this particular merger. And because of that, they're going to see a larger capital base and higher debt headroom of about 1 billion uh, Singapore dollars. So mm-hmm. this is also partly why uh, Capital Land uh, Capital Land stock at least is up by up is one of the few stocks mm-hmm. in the green because of this interest and mind 
Andrew, we also talked about the uh, Ascendus REIT uh, up by 0.3% and uh, and Ascot REIT down by about 0.7%. So there's just a little bit of a reshuffling going on sure. there. And now you have also the Monetary Authority of Singapore saying that we might try to up the gearing ratio for these REITs. At the moment, there is a cap. I believe you can only open, I think, up to uh, up at 45%, was yep, it? Yep. Uh, uh, in terms of leverage to debt to equity ratios mm-hmm. to finance some of these purchases. And they want to at least increase that because it will enable some of these REITs to actually compete on a larger scale sure. and try to compete when, when they're going after some of these some of these acquisitions. So that number they're looking at is about 50, isn't it? They're looking at, their, their, they, well, they haven't really specified a particular number, but they have said, they have mentioned 50, maybe mm-hmm. 50, 55 or so, and, uh, and this could change also later on. But keep in mind too that e- even if you raise it to 50%, I mean, it doesn't do a lot in helping them compete against, say, private equity firms that sure. do look for look for a property as well, and they tend to take that leverage of, say, 70%, 80% sometimes mm-hmm. in terms of debt to equity. Uh, it, it does beg the question, REITs are seen as being rather defensive in nature. And when we say defensive, it's not just because they tend to give you a lot of good yields, but it's also in how they manage the REITs. And should REITs be taking on that much leverage anyway when mm-hmm. they're moving forward? I mean, perhaps we can we can raise the, de- the, uh, the debt limits for REITs. But again, if they do take on a lot of this debt, especially given economic conditions are just a little bit shaky, look, easier monetary policy, lower borrowing rates will help them. But at the same time, do you really want to be taking on a lot more debt moving mm. forward? And that's something we'll probably have to ask also the REIT managers. I mean, I mean, it is a bit of a catch-22. Yes, I'd love to have more ammunition to go out there and buy, um, buy properties and be able to buy it with higher leverage. But at the same time, can I, is it really prudent to take on that much leverage in these conditions at the moment? But that's something we'll probably have to ask some of the uh, some of the REIT managers in Singapore as well. Okay, well, we'll try to corner a couple of them and see what they have to say <laughs> about that. How are some of the other safe havens doing today now that it's a little bit of pullback across the region? So let's take a look at some of these folks right here. Uh, bear with me as I pull up the Japanese yen and take a look at where they're trading. The Japanese yen is back to strength today. And because the Nikkei 65 is down. Because then, well, part well, it's usually because when the yen, when the yen weakens or strengthens, that's what influences where the Nikkei right. 225 goes. So, but we are seeing perhaps a flight to safety again here. We're seeing the U.S. or perhaps also could be because the dollar index is also weakening. Um, but definitely a flight to safety here. I will I, let's coax that against how gold is uh, trading so far today. Spot gold right now is up by 0.6 percent. Mm, so yes, mm. I, it's safe to say that people are seeking safe havens and perhaps also explains partially why the REITs here are doing better than stocks right. so far. seems that uh, perhaps the specter of risk, the specter of shakiness at least, is back in influencing market sentiment well, so far Well, certainly a lot of analysts are still saying, you know, take your time, look for value buys, but, you know, take a, de- a more defensive position right now. I think so. And because a lot of folks are also saying don't read too much into some of the positive news that we saw. Yes, the U.S. and China are going to start talking, but keep in mind, they're just talking at the moment. There's nothing concrete that's been really agreed on. At the moment, they've just kind of nodded each other and said, all right, what do you got for me? That's uh, that's all we have. And you know, as quickly as they agree to speak to each other, that could easily turn south, as we saw in May. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just... Uh, ca- and then they might not talk to each other again for months. Again, for months. And this could actually continue even past the U.S. election. So right. we don't know exactly where that might head. And because of that, you're seeing some of these safe havens like gold, the Japanese yen, benefiting so far today. All right. Now, how are uh, Sam Marine shares doing? Sam Marine shares are not doing too well. In fact, when we look 
took a look at submarine shares earlier on the SM Corp Marine. They were actually down by about 7% at one point. Uh, intraday losses for SEM Corp Marine now at 8.4% so far. And this because of some, uh, some, some news that they might be involved or they might be involved in what was known as Operation Car Wash in Brazil. Now, a couple of years ago, <laughs> this was a very extensive operation where they tried to do a, the biggest anti-graft and corruption crackdown in Brazil. It actually resulted in former President Ignacio Lula da Silva being put in jail. And it seems that as we're parsing through some of the details, there's a possibility that Semcorp Marine actually is involved. Now, Semcorp Marine has issued a statement today saying they have cooperated fully with the Brazilian federal police mm-hmm. with regards to some of some of these allegations. That They also have uh, indicated that they are in strict compliance program and continuously work to ensure that their policies can prevent any violation of anti-corrupt laws. They say they, they have denied any involvement in mm-hmm. these particular proceedings. But there are present investigations that involve uh, that involves uh, EJA's former president, Martin Kok Chun. EJA is is one of their subsidiaries out in Brazil. And, the, and uh, this really weighing on uh, sentiment for Semcorp Marine, but also on their parents, Semcorp Industries. Remember last week, we just reported that Semcorp Industries helped refinance and restructure Semcorp Marine's loans. Mm-hmm, They've taken mm-hmm. a loan out from Temasek also, or, or issued bonds, which Temasek uh, pretty much uh, supported, in order to help Semcorp Marine uh, refinance and uh, refinance some of their loans at the moment. Yep. So if these regulatory issues out in Brazil continue to weigh on Semcorp Marine, what will that mean with their further ability to pay back Semcorp Industries down the line. Yes, it is a parent-child transaction at the sure. moment, but it's a transaction nonetheless that needs to be settled. And this won't do them any favors because, as we know, Semcorp Marine only recently returned into the black as well. So their balance sheets, their their financial statements are back in the black, but a bit of a black eye for them right now if this investigation poses more problems for Semmarine. Well, I suppose that depends on how long the Brazilian authorities take to investigate it mm-hmm. and and make a decision of, as to exactly. whether there was compliance or or. Not. Exactly, yes. <laughs> that will another developing story. There you go. So a lot of things happening this hump day, actually. So it's shaping to be a rather busy Wednesday. <laughs> All right. So what do we have from you for the rest of the day? Well, do you remember when we when we I said that we'll probably have to, we'll, we'll have to speak to some of the uh, REIT managers mm-hmm. about what they make of the MAS's decision? Well, mm-hmm. we are going to speak to a REIT manager later on okay. today. So today we are speaking to the CEO of uh, Fraser's Logistics Industrial Trust, Robert Wallace, Mm-hmm. announced earlier today also that they have made a significant, a big acquisition of 10 properties in Germany and in Australia to add to their particular portfolio. Mm-hmm. We'll break down the details of this and also ask Robert Walsh what they make of the MAS, uh, perhaps saying, you know what, maybe we'll give you guys a little bit more room and a little bit more ammunition to pursue some of these acquisitions overseas, what he makes of all of that. And it'll be a very interesting discussion. We're also going to be speaking to Stephen Innes of mm-hmm. Vanguard Markets. This time we're going to talk about Malaysian markets and across the ASEAN later Are you on. Are going to talk about sand? Um, me. It, this could figure. I'll see how comfortable he is in the sand. I do know, yeah. And, and uh, that, that could figure into it. But really just looking at how markets, and they were on the cusp of wiping out year-to-date losses. But right. today's pullback has has weighed on them. And also just to talk about the fact that uh, it seems that uh, we might be seeing a new EC, uh, president of the European Central Bank, and it might be a woman. IMF Director Christine Lagarde will see what uh, what European markets make of it later on. She certainly has credentials. About, I think so. And it's very interesting because some one of the one of the advisors of Natix has actually said that uh, they have questioned the fact that she is a lawyer, not mm-hmm. exactly a not exactly economist. But keep in mind, Jerome Powell, 
and the Fed mm-hmm. was actually is actually a lawyer first before he's an economist. And they've actually said because of her experience managing the French Ministry of Finance and right. the IMF, she's actually her political savvy is going to prove possibly more important yep. or more to, to succeeding as the ECB president than, say, her, her quote-unquote economics background, which is probably very extensive at this point because you, you do pick up a thing or two when you run the yeah, IMF and the Ministry of Finance also in, in, in France. So it, it, it does make sense. And, uh, and, the la- and I, I really hope that we don't see any, I, I really hope we don't hear any criticisms of, of uh, any objections because of her gender because that definitely doesn't play any role It doesn't any role play. I mean, she's got a, an immense uh, resume and it, it shouldn't play. And, and also track record. I mean, yeah. uh, the proof is in the pudding. How she's steered the IMF despite hiccups here and there has been rather ex- exemplary. And I think I'd be hard-pressed to think of a more qualified person to run Regardless the of the gender, the she has done a, a remarkable Amazing. job. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. So that's uh, Prime Time with uh, JP Ong when he comes back on from 4 p.m. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon. I'm Flores Montero with JP Ong, your Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.